BAM Radio Network. In today's culture, you hear quite a bit of people saying bullying. You hear that term thrown around very loosely now, when oftentimes it could simply be a disagreement between kids. Trying to figure out what the root of the problem is and having some great conversations with kids one-on-one and and getting to the root is, is really the core. Be organized, have smooth transitions, have processes in place, and know your students. Know if it's a can't do or won't do because a lot of times those students are acting out because they're trying to get away from doing an assignment or they're bored out of their mind. Welcome to Student Centricity, Practical Strategies for Teaching with Students at the Center. I'm Ray Pika. A student struggling to read is not sent home and expected to return reading fluently. So why is it that a student struggling to behave is sent home and expected to return behaving decently? This is the question that opens Jessica Hannigan's book, Don't Suspend Me. And today, Jessica is here along with elementary principal Ben Gilpin to discuss alternatives to suspension, which many of you know is an enormous problem in the earliest grades. Welcome, guys. Thanks for being here. Well, is it true that the research shows suspension doesn't actually work in the way teachers hope it will? And if that is true, why doesn't it work? Yes, the research is very consistent, um, showing that the suspensions do not change student behavior. And uh, it also shows there's a disproportionality in school discipline and students of color and special education students. And it doesn't work because we're not teaching behavior similar to academics when we send them home. We're expecting them to come back with skills. Yeah, as though someone were just going to wave a magic wand while they're suspended. Ben, given the research, why do you think suspension has traditionally been such a go-to, quote-unquote, solution for teachers? Oh, very similar to what Jessica just said, you know, you've got some methods that have been in place for for decades, for probably even longer than that. Sometimes in the classroom, we teach the way we were taught, and sometimes when it comes to discipline, we expect the same things now that were done years and years ago. One thing that I've been reading up and, and looking at doing more and more of is kind of a, a reverse suspension type of a plan. where the parents or a guardian actually comes into school and is with the child all day long. That, especially at the elementary level, I think could be very powerful. And and so a reverse suspension really makes parenting and and parenting in the school a partnership rather than we're just going to suspend and kick the child out. If you choose to do something like that, it still needs to incorporate the teaching component and I, I'm sure you agree with that too. A parent just coming in and sitting, it helps, of course, because the parent's there, but then you get the teacher saying, oh, he's only behaving because the parent's there. So mm-hmm. there needs to be a teaching component. So I'm going to give you an example. So I had a student that had a match in the bathroom and he was showing off to other kids. He didn't, you know, light it on fire or anything like that, but he was showing off and that's dangerous and he was in third grade. So what we did is we connected with the parents and the local fire station and he had to go through a certification at the fire station and then come to the school and present to the third grade on fire safety with the parent present there for the presentation. And so the parent was involved, the student had a learning component to it, and we got to educate other students as well. But you don't always get parents 
who are willing to do that. So it's important to also have processes in place at the school site if you have a parent who doesn't agree. And I'll give you one quick example. I My cell phone was stolen. I dropped it during supervision. And a sixth grade girl had found the cell phone. Well, I ended up finding the cell phone um, through other students. But when I called the parent to try to get her involved in a, in a restitution plan, doing what the traditional discipline was, which would be suspension for stealing a, a, a cell phone, the parent told me she bought her the cell phone. And I said, you bought her the cell phone with my pictures and all my information. And she said, yeah, she really likes you. I think she found your picture on Facebook. <laughs> And I just, that was when I had the first aha of this isn't working. So I'm, I'm going to control this situation at the school to teach this child to change their behavior. So Jessica, keeping the early grades in mind, tell us a couple of the most common behaviors that result in suspension and specifically what preventive measures could be put in place instead. I think the most common one for me that I get calls on is the not being able to keep their hands and feet to themselves and getting into altercations. So a couple things that I've done is create an intervention that's in collaboration with teachers and administrators and supervision staff um, called Hands Off Academy uh, to really work with the students on teaching appropriate behaviors and, and the social skills that they need to respond instead of using their physical behaviors to get what they want. Right. So is that preventative? That is that something that you put in place before the behavior occurs then? The school-wide level we put into place before. So really teaching the students the, the rules and expectations of the schools in each setting and hearing it on the announcements every morning that it's a hands-off school. Remember, it's a hands-off school and um, teaching them, starting from a young age, starting from transitional kinder, how yeah. to keep their hands to themselves. So teaching them, you know, how to fold their arms when they're walking or, or whatever they feel comfortable with to start teaching them to control kind of that behavior instead of um, going to the next level. We also teach stop, walk, and talk starting at TK level, which is preventive. And teachers really like that, too. It, it teaches students how to, you know, say stop, to walk away if, you know, they're upset or something's bothering them. And then it teaches them the difference between tattling and um, problem solving. So, Ben, what alternatives to suspension would you like to see implemented? Well, Ray, I'm going to go in, a, in just a, a real generic thing that I think should be easy, but I don't think it happens enough. I think it comes down to building trust. And as an, as an administrator, uh, as a principal, when, when I meet with kids that have made mistakes, that have struggled, that have done something wrong, I really want them to trust me and I want to have honest conversations so that they believe I can help them. And, and trying to be empathetic with kids and learning their story and trying to get to the root of the issue. But it comes down to they have to trust that I do genuinely care about them. And, and it sounds easy, but you and I both know, Ray – Developing trust takes time. It's building relationships. Yeah, absolutely. And I would imagine that suspension would really take all the trust away. No? Oftentimes it does. I would say that there are some times when a student knows the, the clear line and it's something that um, they've done. There's oftentimes been where I've even said to students, well, what would you do if you were in my situation? 
Mm. And, you know, there are times that I'll have a student say to me, you know, I should spend the day up here in the office or I should spend two days up here in the office. I really, really try hard not to suspend out of school. You know, I don't think that does anything for the child. Yeah, clearly. And just very briefly, Ben, what would you say to those teachers who say all this preventative stuff and all the things that you guys have talked about is just too time consuming? I think that what I would say is I would ask them a question. And, and this is a question that I've asked a lot of teachers over the years. If you continue to do it the way we've always done it, the question is, how's that working for you? <laughs> because my guess is that you're going to have the same issues reoccurring. It, I want to get to the root of the issue and just say, hey, how's that working for you? Maybe we need to try something drastically different. Uh, how's that working for you? Great question, Ben. Thank you so much. Well, I'm afraid we are out of time. I really appreciate you being here to talk to me about this and, and talk to my listeners. <sighs> the way it's always been done is not a good enough answer to this problem. So we do need to seek new solutions. So thank you for your contributions. How's that working for you is the perfect question in response to we've always done it this way. And if it's not working so well, I guess some alternative measures need to be implemented, regardless of the time they may initially take. School isn't simply a place for learning reading, writing, and arithmetic, regardless of what the policymakers might think. It's also a place to help children learn how to become part of society. And I would think that one of the last things we'd want to teach children is that we don't want them around. This has been Ray Pico with Student Centricity, offering practical strategies for teaching with students at the center. Thank you for listening. This program is produced by Accretive Media for the BAM Radio Network. Thanks for listening.